0: But today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 15. This is an incredible passage that we're going to be diving into today. I'm going to read this. Starting in verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God, we thank you for Scripture. God, we thank you for new beginnings and fresh starts. God, but most importantly, we just thank you so much for Jesus. God, I pray that today, as we go to Scripture, as we go to hear what you have to say for us, God, I pray that you would speak clearly. Um, God, I pray that your words would be mine, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 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 So today, you know, like I said, we've we've kind of, we're launching into a new season and a new space. Um, and we've got a new name. It's 419, and some of you are like, you weren't here last week. If you weren't here, I would encourage you, like, go back and watch that message. Because you may be like, this is a weird name. I see a different sign out front. What is the... Well, I don't get it. Watch last week's message. But just to catch up really quick, I think we've got it on the screen that I can just... It's three verses... One simple message. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He's bigger than need. It's based off of these three verses. That we are loved. We are called. And God is a God who provides. And we believe those things. And yes, we know that those numbers are put there by man. Like those addresses of those verses weren't like God didn't say, this is the address. We put them there. But guess what? We're going to use those as a proclamation of Scripture is our standard. And Jesus is going to be the message that we preach around here. So... Today, though, we are starting a brand new series. Um, We've got some new things around. Our team has done an incredible job. This past week, there's lots of stress trying to get this new wall up and trying to get all the graphics going and new signs. And so can we just honor and thank them for all the work that they put in? And I would encourage you all, continue to be patient. We've got more things, more stuff that's coming, but... If you didn't hear last week, I switched the name on them like last minute. So the things that we've been working and preparing, guess what? Too bad. We're working and preparing on something else because God directs our paths and I'm going to be obedient to him. But today we're starting a brand new series and it's, it's just called Fresh Kicks. And how many of you guys remember maybe as a kid getting a new pair of shoes? Okay. It, it's fun as an adult, but as a kid, there's something different about it. And I remember growing up. The feeling of getting new shoes was sometimes great and sometimes not. As a kid, I was a boy who had feet that were growing all the time. And I remember my mom took me to this place that no longer exists anymore, Payless. And Payless was not where you got fresh kicks. That's where you got cheap kicks. Sometimes I get to go to Kmart, same thing. Those were not fresh kicks. Those were cheap kicks. But when you're a a boy growing out of shoes quick, you aren't going to spend a bunch of money on shoes that you're just going to grow out of. And so we would, you know, all, all the time, those would be the shoes that I'd be getting. But eventually, those shoes sometimes weren't made the best. And I was pretty rough on shoes. And so I'd beat those shoes up. They'd be wearing out pretty quick. And my mom decided, all right, let's step up the game a little bit. Let's get something a little bit better. Hopefully that'll last a little bit longer. And I remember I was about 10 years old and my mom said, let's go shoe shopping. And no kid is like, yay, shoe shopping. But she's like, man, you're wearing out your shoes again. Let's go shoe shopping. But this time we didn't go to Payless. This time we went to Foot Locker. Foot Locker, where I don't have to pick the box out myself. Somebody brings it to me. They open it up for me like this is amazing i walked in and the shoes are gloriously on the wall leather and rubber in the air like this is great and i remember that day i got my very first pair of high tops they were red nike high tops with white swoosh they had those little springy like gel pockets in them and i was convinced i could like jump higher now um I was convinced, like, they, I have now supernatural speed and agility because of these shoes. And I got them. And, uh, I mean, I asked my wife, I'm like, did you ever feel this way about shoes? She goes, I think it's a, a boy thing. Every time I got new shoes, I'm like, I am faster now. I can jump higher now. But now I got these red Nike high tops. Man, I am super fast. I am the man. And I know that still goes on because I taught kids for years. And I would see them coming with a new pair of shoes. I'm like, man, your shoes are looking good. And the first thing they'd always say, look how fast I am, and they'd run. (laughs) Because apparently new shoes make you all of a sudden a lot faster. I don't know. But I remember getting those new pair of shoes and going to school and showing them off, challenging people to races, thinking I'm going to be dunking in no time because of these shoes. But as with anything... After a while, those shoes just became another part of life. A few scuffs, a little dirt on them. And before long, those super shoes started to feel just like regular sneakers. And here's why I bring this up. And here's why we've decided to call this series just Fresh Kicks. Is right now, as a church, we're kind of like that kid who got new shoes. We're kind of like that kid who got Fresh Kicks. Everything feels fresh. People are excited. There seems to be just this new energy. You know, I had a whole bunch of people last week say, man, I'm ready to go. What, what's God gonna do about here? What, what do you need from me? How can I be a part? Everything. We're, we're passionate about, There's, we're sharing things on social media. People even today have said, hey, I brought some people with me. There's just an excitement going on. And I'm right there with you guys. I'm excited about what God is gonna do here. But a few months from now, The fresh kicks of 419 will have some scuffs. They'll start to be a little bit more worn in. And we'll start to feel a little bit more normal. And the thing is, it's not are we going to stay excited. It's who's the person that's actually going to be wearing them look like. What's the church that's going to be putting on these shoes, going to walk, talk, and think like? Because, you know, as a kid, put on those new shoes. I thought I had superpowers, but I was still the chubby kid that couldn't jump very high. We've got to decide, hey, we've got this fresh paint, a new sign, but what are the values that are actually going to walk us out? What are the things that, what is the imprint that we're going to make in our community actually look like? How is God going to direct us? Not just what is the new stuff around, but what are we going to be walking into? So today we're going to start this series called Fresh Kicks and we're talking about some of the values that are going to drive us as a church. And then I also believe really should inform and help you as you are a part of our church, but also just as you walk with Christ. So we've got some values that lead the way. The things that, they're better than just the brand new sign, the fresh kicks. They're the ones, this is how we're going to walk. This is who we're going to be. And the first one is our most important value. And it's the one we're going to talk about, not just today, but we're going to talk about it for the next two weeks. Because it's so important that we need to spend a little bit of time on it. And it's simply this, Jesus is our message the core value that's going to lead everything that we do around here is jesus is our message so if you're new to our church right away you need to know we have a primary message we have one big point and we're going to share it time and time again the message is jesus no matter when you come here whatever gathering you come to we're going to talk about jesus No matter what book of the Bible we're going to be in, we're going to talk about Jesus. No matter what time of year it is, we're going to talk about Jesus. We might be talking about marriage. We might be talking about parenting. We might be talking about failures. But guess what we're going to always talk about? Jesus. Because Jesus is our message. He is our message. Everybody said this. Jesus is our message. Jesus is our message. And our goal, guys, we've said it a couple times. Our mission is not just to get people to church. Our mission is not to help people meet and find the church. I hope they do. We want people that are gathering community and a part of church, but I want people to meet and follow Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're going to preach. It's the one that we're going to talk about. And some of you, I know you come from different backgrounds. You're like, hey, wait a minute. What about the Holy Spirit? You might be thinking, what about God the Father? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that we need to have a relationship with God the Father. Let me tell you, we at 419 believe in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But here's what we also believe. They're not in competition with each other. It's not a jealousy. They're all, it's one God, three persons. Is it hard to understand and explain? Absolutely, it is. But I've said this many times. If I could explain everything there was to know about God and put him in a book, that's not a very big God. My God is bigger than that. And Jesus speaks about how it all works together to point people towards Christ. God sends Jesus. The Holy Spirit amplifies Jesus. It says it here in John 15, verse 26. It says, when the advocate comes, the advocate being the Holy Spirit, whom I will send out to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me. So it says it right here. The Father sends, the Spirit amplifies, pointing people towards Christ. Christ. It's all pointing towards Jesus, salvation through Christ. He is the message. He is going to be our message. And I've said this to people, and, and I know sarcastically, you might be thinking, good job, guys. Way to go. You decided to preach Jesus. That's what churches should be doing. You're like, whoop-dee. But sometimes churches get their messages a little bit mixed up and confused. They may even be trying to preach Jesus. But how many of y'all have ever seen some church signs? And you see the church sign. And I'm going to go just a little funny for a second. Because I started thinking about this. And somebody started sending me some church signs. And so I thought, you know what? This would be fun to share with some of our church. And I'm sure these churches have the best of hearts and intentions. But I'm so glad we don't have a church sign. Because we'd probably end up putting something dumb out there at some point too. We'd put Alex in charge of the sign. And who knows what would be up out there. So I'm going to show a couple funny ones. I'll show a couple more next week. If you see any, send them to me. And some of them are really inappropriate, so they probably won't make it on the screen, but I'll laugh. So here's just a couple. The first one is this, this sign. We love hurting people. I think I get what they're going for because we love hurting people too, but this basically sounds like we want to hurt somebody. No, no, no. No, they're not doing that. The second one is this. You can't read it, but it says this. Basically, um, it says, let me see it. Bring your spiritual marshmallows because our pastor is lit. (laughs) That works. Alex says that's, we're not bringing marshmallows. The pastor's not lit. And one last one. This one's the worst one. I don't know what they're saying here, but it says they're preaching. And the message this week is shout out to the prostitute. Yeah, the prostitute does need Jesus too, but I'm not putting that on the sign. <laughs> and those are all silly, but not so funny as this. Sometimes the church, it's not their sign. They become more about their preacher. They become more about their music and their band. They become more about the programs that they do. And people know, man, that's the church with this outstanding band. That's the church with this great program. And man, we want to be those things, but I'd rather people go, what is it about that church? People just go, I don't know what it is. Because you know what it is? It's Jesus. And usually when they start saying, I don't, I don't know, there's just something there. That's Jesus. And we know what it is. And they'll be like, the, the music's good, the preaching's okay, and they do some cool stuff. But something about that place, it's Jesus. He is going to be our message. So over the next couple of weeks, we want to focus on these three questions. We want to really shine a light and spend some time thinking about these three questions. Who is Jesus? So who is He? What was His message? And then is that going to be my message? Who is Jesus? What was His message? And is He my message? So the first one we're going to talk about today is just who is Jesus? We're going to go back to the passage that we just read in Colossians because it actually tells us a lot about who Jesus is. This passage in Colossians is rich. It's deep. It's one of my favorites. You could spend countless just thoughts and sermons on this particular passage. There's so much to it. And today I just want to build us a basic understanding of who Jesus is, giving us a few points from this. And the first one is this, Jesus is God revealed. Jesus is God. Colossians 1 15, it says he's the, the son, so that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. An image is a representation, a likeness. It's not just a a vague reflection. It's a clear depiction. Jesus is a clear depiction of who God is. So you, if you have a desire to know God, begin to learn more about who Jesus is. I always tell people, man, have you read the Gospels lately? Well, do it again. Like read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then do it again. Because as we get to know Jesus, we begin to understand more of who God is. Dive into his teachings. Every act of kindness Every just parable and and thought and wisdom that you read in Jesus, that's us getting to know God. To understand that he wants to be in relationship with us. So the first thing that we've got to start is Jesus is God revealed. Second thing is this that we see. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. It says in verse 16 and 17, for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible all things have been created through him for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together now i need us to talk about this for just a second because a lot of times people will jesus was a good guy first off we just read he is god not just a guy and he is before all things he may have been born in body but he is before all things he is god he always has been. There, well, there was not a creation of Jesus. A lot of um, people get this kind of skewed up, especially false religions. They just believe Jesus was a man, he was born, he didn't always exist. No, it says here he was before all things, there was Jesus. He's the creator, and he created everything from the vast galaxies to the smallest cells in you. He is the sustainer and creator of all things. And it says, all things were created through him, by him, and for him. That means you are part of that creation, which means this verse is saying you have a purpose because you are created for Jesus. Your Your purpose is Jesus. That's why he should be your message, which is why you should get to know who he is. It also says that he is the sustainer of all things, which means he's the glue that keeps it all together. Sustaining means it's a the, the driving force that keeps it together. This is who Jesus wants to be in our lives as well. When things feel like they're falling apart, when our life starts to be chaotic and in shambles, that's why we go to Jesus. He's, he can recreate those and he can sustain those things. He can bring those things back together. He wants you to know you are important to him. If he created you, you must be important to him that's why we say you know you're loved you're important you're God's masterpiece you're not just a little insignificant speck you know when we teach when we teach that we're all just basically accidents when we teach that type of thought in school and in college that we are just molecular just accidents where does that leave us but when we teach man we are divine creations created by God, that he loves us, that gives us a sense of purpose, a sense of worth. The third thing, Jesus is the leader. Jesus is the life giver. It says he's the head of the body, the church. That's important. I am the pastor of this church, but I am not the head of this church. Jesus is. He's the one that guides and directs and leads. He's the one that I have to go to every step of the way. He's the one, even when we decide to make an investment into an outside organization or to just add some panels, I'm going to go, Jesus, okay, do you care about this? If you don't, if you do, let me know. Like he's going to be the one that leads, guides, and direct. And then it says this thing that he's the firstborn among the dead so that everything, in everything, he might have supremacy. And this is where In this passage, sometimes people get this messed up because they say, well, it says right here, he's the firstborn. Well, just a second ago, it said he was before all things. So how do those things make any sense? And here's what this means. In the Bible, a lot of times this term firstborn, it's not about sequence of actual birth order. It's about significance of that title. And there's a significance in that title, firstborn, especially if they would have read this. The significance of of what this means. It's a significance about honor and leadership and legacy. And what it's really signifying is if he's the firstborn, that means there's more to come. So if he's the firstborn among the dead, so that means he didn't stay dead. He defeated death. He died. He rose. He defeated death. He's the first, which means there's more. And that more is us. We are a part of this resurrection. We get to, when we surrender and submit our lives to Christ, we don't have to be afraid of death because we've given our life over to Jesus. I've done... And been involved with funerals of people who did not follow Christ at all and had no faith. And those are some of the hardest funerals to be a part of. Because honestly, I don't, I, I don't know what to say at some of those moments. Other than to just encourage people. That there's a resurrection and a hope that's available to you. And Jesus defeated death and he turned death from a wall into a doorway that he just holds open and says, Hey, you don't have to be afraid of this. He is the firstborn and he said, I want to invite you into a new life, a forever life. So there's one more here and I want to spend some time on this one. Jesus is the one who restores and reconciles relationship. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And this word reconcile is really important. It's, it's really transformational to our understanding of who Jesus is. And, and the reason it's so important is because most of us, most Christians only believe half of the gospel. Most I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things and it's not to offend anybody, but most Christians only believe half of the good news of Jesus. Now the half we believe is really important and it's 100% true. It's, it's vital to what we believe, but we only believe half of it. And here's what I mean by half of it. If you were standing before the Lord and he was, and he, I don't think he's going to give us this um, um, little test, but if he would say, why should I let you in? And you said, well, I've been forgiven by Jesus. I've surrendered my life to him. That's a hundred percent true. And that is good news. Forgiveness of sins is amazing. And that's a huge part of the gospel message. I believe in Jesus. He he died on the cross for my sins. Yes, absolutely he did. And when he died on the cross, he wiped away. He wiped the slate clean. But that's only half the gospel. That's only half the gospel. Forgiveness of sins is only half of the gospel. There's more. The full gospel is this. Jesus doesn't just forgive sins. He restores relationship it says right here, he reconciles, which means he brings us back into right relationship. Because of his shed blood, not only are we forgiven, we're reconciled. Let me explain this. Imagine you have an amazing, tremendous amount of debt with the bank. Like trillions of dollars. I don't know how you got trillions of dollars in debt. Maybe you work for the government. Sorry. But let's just say you are trillions of dollars in debt and there's no way you're thinking to yourself, if I work every day for the rest of my life, if I give every penny that I ever have, there's no way ever, ever, ever that I'm going to pay this debt off. It's just not going to happen. And you go to the bank, like, look, man, I got trillions of dollars in debt and there's no way I'm paying this off. I, I still, I can't, I can't. The debt's too big. And the bank president comes down. The bank president says, you know what? I am going to be merciful and kind and loving. And here's what I'm going to do. I forgive you of all of your debt. All these trillions of dollars of debt forgiven. You're good. Now, here's how we would all be. Wow, this is the best. I can't believe this. All of my debt's been forgiven. This is incredible. But you walk out the door and guess what you have in your bank account? Nothing. You're still broke. So you, am I excited that I've been forgiven? 100%. That is outstanding. It, all this debt's been wiped out, but I'm still broke. And so now I've got to go try to earn a living. I've got to try to go make some money. I've got to try to get enough that I can survive. I've got to earn it. I've got to earn it. I've got to earn it. And this is the problem with we, if we only believe one half of the gospel. If we only believe that we've been forgiven, it's like the bank president that wiped away our debt. But if we believe that we've been reconciled, that's the bank president that wiped away our debt and then said this, hey, you know what? I'm going to add you to my account. Everything that I have I'm going to also give to you. My credit's yours. My bank account's yours. And you're like, wait a minute. That's a whole nother level. That's reconciliation. That's reconciliation. And that is something that we sometimes totally forget. And so what we do is we say, this sounds harsh, but we say dumb things like this. I'm so glad that God is a God of second chances. If he's a, hey, guess what? If he's the God of second chances, you're still 0 for 2. No matter how many chances he gives you, we are going to keep messing it up. We're not going to magically get it 100% right. And what happens is if we only believe in forgiveness of sins, we then leave thinking that we've got to earn something on our own. I'm going to talk about how important it is to to work, but we've got to understand that we've been reconciled. And there's nothing we can do to magically just change it. Look, if I... am my son is not in here, so I'm going to pick on him for a second. My son, Elijah, is in sixth grade. If I was to go to Elijah and I said, Elijah, I need you to take this calculus exam. How do you think he's going to do at calculus? Let me just tell you, Elijah's not the, the best in the world at math. He's going to fail that test. And if I give him another chance and I say, man, I'm going to be merciful and gracious, try again. He's gonna keep failing that test because no matter how many times I give him that test, he doesn't know calculus. I told him this morning, I said, Elijah, I might pick on you. And he goes, well, what are you gonna say? I said, I'm gonna say that you don't know how to do calculus. He goes, yes, I do. (laughs) I was like, what? You do not? He's like, I have passed calculus tests. I'm like, Elijah, you, you are foolish. But I thought to myself, sometimes, what God has done is he said, there's nothing you could do to justify what I'm given to you. There's nothing you could do to, to make things completely right and whole. But sometimes we think, well, I'm going to earn some God credit here. I can, I, I, I can pass this test. I can do this thing. This is what 2 Corinthians says. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, it's like the bank president that says you're completely forgiven. But doesn't leave you broke. Then says, hey, all that I have is yours. Now you're at a space that is a different level. That is a gracious, amazing God. And we might think that sounds crazy. That sounds like Jesus. Luke 15 verses 17 through 24. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him. He kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and alive. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Forgiven? And reconciled. The son came ready to say, I've messed up. I want to do these things to earn my way back to you. And you read this there. The father doesn't even acknowledge this speech that he begins to give. He just says, Forgiven and not just forgiven, reconciled. Bring the ring, kill the calf. We're going to celebrate what's mine is yours. This is the message of Jesus. That's the message of reconciliation. That's the totality of the gospel. We're forgiven. And redeemed, reconciled, brought back into right relationship with him. But here's the temptation, church folk. Here's the temptation, Christians. As longer that you're in church, the longer that you're a Christian, the longer that a church exists as a church, we have a tendency to take our eyes off of Jesus being the message. And we make minor things major things. We add stuff to it. Well, yeah, you've given your life to Jesus, but now you have to blank. And depending on our denominational background, depending on maybe where you initially gave your life to Christ, it can look different, some of the baggage and things that you add. Most of you aren't, don't come from any kind of orthodox background. Some of you might, but a lot of that, you bring in this, well, yeah, you're saved, but you know, did you take first communion? Did you do this? Did you do that? Now a lot of y'all I know you come in here with some baptist background. Yeah, y'all all kinds of stuff you're carrying with you. Yeah, yeah, you you laugh, but you know it's true. And you Yeah, we believe in Jesus, but have you been baptized? Wait a minute. Uh, and y- y'all know, every time the church doors open, you better be in there because you got to earn those brownie points. You know you got to. And you don't drink. You don't cuss. You don't chew you don't date girls who do, right? Come on. <laughs> and then all my Lutheran friends are saying, "Well, then pass me the beer if you're not going to drink it." <laughs> and we carry these different things. My Pentecostals out there, yeah. So the Pentecostals are me like, "Woo!" A lot of Pentecostal churches, they go, "Yeah, we got Jesus, but you have to be speaking in tongues." You have to be having physical manifestations of the Spirit. And anytime it's Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Amen. Jesus is the message. These other things aren't necessarily bad. Man, we should be living lives of holiness. We should be in church when the doors are open. We should be speak, seeking um, the Spirit. We should be studying our Scripture. Liturgy, things like taking communion, things like baptism, all those things are important. But... Those are not the main message. Jesus is the message. We showed it, I don't know, it was a few months ago now, but I would encourage you all to go back and, and watch that quick video. It's the man on the middle cross. And the man on the middle cross is just this, it's a, a pastor and he's given a sermon and he, he speaks about the man on the middle cross. And there's nothing, all he did is basically confessed and believed that Jesus was something different. There was a king, there was a heaven, there was a paradise that he was going to. That's what he did. There was a forgiveness and a reconciliation. He never was baptized. He never took first communion. He never spoke in tongues. He just surrendered his life to Jesus. So, here's what I want you to hear that's really, really important. Personal effort and good works, living a life of holiness that is 100% not the wrong thing to do. That is, that is the right thing to do. Serving, honor, serving others, that honors God. The grace of God is not opposed to effort. Okay? God's goodness is not opposed to effort. We should still have effort in being obedient, we should still have effort in serving others. But there is a difference, there is a huge difference if we think that our effort is gonna earn us something. Effort and earning are different things. And here's how we can ask this question of ourselves. Are you working for something? Are you working from something? Are you working for forgiveness and reconciliation? Are you working from the place of, man, I have been forgiven and reconciled and I'm gonna do everything I can to help other people experience this. I'm gonna love people. I'm gonna serve people. Man, my God is so good. I wanna be obedient to the things that he's asked me to do. So are you working for something or are you working from a place of forgiveness and reconciliation? Because I don't want us to work for that. It's not to earn something. It's because I know if I, I work from a place of what God has done for me, I experience more of his peace. I experience more of his love. I experience more of what he has for me. And as a part of the family of God, we have work to do. Not to earn our place, but because you believe and love the family that you belong to. My son doesn't have to clean his room and do his dishes to earn being my son. But there's an expectation that if you're going to be in this house, here's some things that I expect from you. And as a part of my family, these are some ways that I, would, I want you to live. If he doesn't do those things, I'm not going to kick him to the curb. But man, those are some expectations that I have. God has given us some expectations in his word of ways that we're going to live, ways that we're going to treat each other, ways that we're going to serve. And as church, as a family, we need to look different than the world around us. We need to live different. We need to serve others and love different. And each week... In this series, Fresh Kicks, I'm going to bring up a pair of kicks with me to help drive the point home. And today, I got some work boots. Now, there's a the thing about these work boots. If you see them, they've never even been laced up. There's no scuff marks on them. They're not dirty at all. Now, I want us to remember, I, our work doesn't earn us brownie points towards heaven. But our good works are a way that other people can meet and follow Jesus. And a lot of us have work boots. We've been forgiven. We've been reconciled. And when we're forgiven and reconciled, God loves you. Then he has a plan for you and he gives you work boots. Says, okay, join with me. Let's go fishing for men. Let's go. You got work to do. Let's do some stuff. And a lot of us have work boots that look like this. we've been forgiven, we've been reconciled, but we've never actually went to work for Jesus. And it's not because, again, it's not because we're trying to earn something, it's because we've said, I'm going to put an effort because he died on the cross for me. He gave everything for me. And a lot of us, what we do is we have superstitious Christianity. we come to be a Christian just because we're like, well, I want to make sure if. No, I want to put on my work boots and get to work. So, I'm encouraging you this Saturday... We're having a big serve. It's one of the first things we're doing together as a church. We're gonna join together at eight o'clock. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna disperse out into our community. Doing all kinds of things. Getting our work boots dirty. I would invite you all. Just join with us. There's there's a QR code you can scan and see the different things that we're gonna be doing. Maybe some of y'all are just like, I'm gonna go just love on my community and pick up trash in my community and be out and available. But let's... We've been forgiven and reconciled, and God has said, here's your boots. It's time to scuff them up, guys. It's time to get a little bit of mud on our boots. Come on, that's a country song. (laughs) So, who is Jesus? Here's the four things we saw today. Jesus is God revealed. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the leader and life giver. And Jesus is the one who restores relationship. Do you believe those things is the question that we need to end with. Do you believe he's God? Do you believe that he's the creator? Is he your leader? Is he the one that gives you life? And have you actually moved into a space where you know that it's not that my debt has just been wiped away. He's reconciled me and said, you are now a part of my family.